Welcome to our weekly, and we mean weekly Wednesday night shir. As always, the Nishma Eliza Shlamis. We had occasion this week, of course. Shleishim for the Yosef and Avram. Interesting to note that everybody around the table, around ta- a round table discussion was held afterwards. Everyone in the room was asked to say something about the person. Eighty percent of the people came up with his humor, his sense of humor, which is a beautiful thing. Some should have a liyah, and it should have, be a good to better for everybody. This week's parsha, of course, as we know, is parsha's chukas. One single solo parsha. We don't have chukas and together. It does on occasion happen, but this week is not. Um, this Shabbos is Yud Tammuz. As we know, we are going to... The Shabbos, Minim is Baruch Bekuli Yemen. Shabbos always benches the days of the week prior and following... And the Shabbos being Yud Tammuz. Bless the days of Yud Beis and Yud Gimel Tammuz of the upcoming week. Mirz Hashem Abol in the Teva, Chag Agula, the Fridik Rebbe, Yomtiv, which we mean to understand, as the Rebbe wrote, was not only a Yomtiv, not only a Gula for himself, but a Gula for Tyre Kal Yisrael and anyone that calls himself Hashem Yisrael Yichuna. Anyone that refers to themselves as Shem Yisrael, anyone that refers to themselves as a member of the Jewish nation, went free on that very day. We spoke last week about Gimel Tammuz, we spoke of the Ischal to the Gula. Yud Beis Tammuz, of course, the Friedrich Rebbe's birthday. And Yud Gimel Tammuz is also his Chag Gula. We therefore always celebrate Yud Beis and Yud Gimel Tammuz as a very, very great Yom Maybe we'll have a fabrengen for you, basically, with Thomas, and we'll discuss the Gula, the redemption. There are many, many books and many, many places you can look up and see and follow up on the Gula. We'd like to focus this week on the Pashas Chukas. Interesting conversation I had yesterday with one of the original founders of the Shia, one of the original people that started off with the Shir, hosted the Shir for many weeks, for a long time, hosted the Shir in his home. Doesn't live in Brooklyn now. Um, said he had a very inspirational, a very inspirational Gimel Tammuz. Very inspirational Gimel Tammuz. Kidnapped from a wedding. Oh wow! Take your shot, Get a very inspirational Gimel Tamuz. That's the week. I got smiled. I asked him. I said, "You got an inspiration? Tell me then. 
<laughs> How would you answer? Those who ask, those who reach out and say the question. That is famous, infamously asked to Chsidik Chabad. After Gimel Tammuz, why did Chsidik Chabad not choose, like any other Chsidim, choose another Rebbe? Now, it's a very sticky issue by many of the outside either sympathizes of Chabad or people that don't even have anything to do with Chabad but they just want to have their nose mixed in and they have this question what is Chabad thinking how is Chabad going to continue to exist and all the honesty on Gimel Tammuz 21 years ago that question was asked that question was not only asked, that question was pounded home. And that question almost brought us, we have to welcome the Kalbachs from Canada. They came for Akasana. She's getting dripping all over us, huh? There were many people that confronted, I know myself, for many people who wanted to know what is Chabad thinking? How such a tremendous or big Hasidus like Chabad, the size, magnitude of Chabad, how will they continue without a physical Rebbe? So I asked him, so you were inspired over Gimel Tamils? Do you have an answer to this question? What would you answer? How would you pose an answer to this question? Now, over Gimel Tammuz, there were many, many people, many chassidim that fabrained, that had gatherings, chassidim gatherings. You sit the little boy down. <laughs> the chassidim gatherings, fabrengans that people had, they tell stories, sing nigunim, reflect the olden days and then of course today's modern technology between email whatsapp facebook and veve is not even on facebook now because there was a nice was an interview with the founder of facebook who said he had a very great connection with the rebbe and the master that he had a bracha from the rebbe he only had boys, and the Rebbe gave him a bracha for a girl. Uh, he only had girls, sorry. The Rebbe gave him a bracha for a son. A shaliach in Buenos Aires, the Rosh Hashiva, his name is Asher Farkas, sent out a very interesting email. You can listen to the story. It's a very powerful story. He traveled recently to a wedding of a niece in Portland <laughs> and he had to travel to the wedding he had to go through New York <coughs> he wanted to go through New York from Buenos Aires 
So one of his Mikurov, one of the people that he was also instrumental in helping become from, become religious, drove him to the airport. Chaim. Chaim drove him to the airport, and Chaim has a story. He knew the story of Chaim of years ago. Chaim, the Shvakenim was very, very ill. He had a tumor. And Baruch Hashem, he fought, he persevered, and he's clean. However, due to all the treatments, Chaman and Chaim can no longer have any children. And since the treatment started when he was very, very young, he was not yet blessed with children prior to this. So he and his wife decided that they would look into adoption. Alright, they're going to look into adoption. It happens, people do it. But you got to look into it. you got to know what you're doing. you got to know where you're going. Do you adopt a Jewish child? Do you adopt a not-Jewish child? It's, it's, there's a lot of halakhic ramifications. So Chaim told by Farkas, listen, do me a favor. You're going to New York. You're going to the Hill. Daven for me. I've asked, every job that I ask has a different opinion on how to work it. What to adopt, how to adopt, what to go about. I have no answer. I don't know what to do. We want to adopt, but we don't know how, what, when, or where. Because of so many opinions, we are very confused. And I looked through, I looked through the Rebbe's letters, and I cannot find any given letter from the Rebbe talking about adoption, how and to go about this. Well, needless to say, said Rebbe Farkish, it wasn't exactly something that I would imagine I could come up with an answer with. But he asked, he gave me his name, his mother's name, and I went to the Ale. I came to the Ale, he says, he arrived on Thursday, said Rebbe Farkish. And he decided to spend Shabbos at the Ale. And Sunday afternoon was his flight to Portland, to Washington. Sitting in the aisle. sitting learning the Kutateda and the people are coming and Sunday morning it's a lot of traffic in the hill and people are coming minyan of davening one after the other and he's sitting there and he's learning and this older fellow comes in with a younger guy and they sit down by a table and they sit down they daven davening and the older guy is saying Kaddish saying, saying all the Kaddish that have to be said obviously for somebody that passed away And they get up to leave, 
They didn't know Rabbi Farkas. Rabbi Farkas doesn't know them. They never saw each other before in their lives. And the guy turns to Rabbi Farkas. As he gets up to leave, he turns back around. He takes out of his talus bag an old paper. So I think you'd find this interesting. Read it. If I could say, I don't know who you are, you don't know who I am. I, I, I never saw you in my life. What, what makes you think that I'd be interested in this letter that you're giving me? But okay, give me, I'll read it. And if I says, I read the first line and I started to tremble. Letter is written that Rebbe wrote a private letter to this man's father. Apparently, this man's father could not have any children. And he wrote a letter to the Rebbe asking the Rebbe what to do about adoption. And the Rebbe wrote him a clear directive not to take a non-Jewish child, but rather to travel to North Africa, Morocco, where the poverty level is very, 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 very severe. And the Yidin, Shemayim, God-fearing Jews, and therefore they're having large families. They can't afford to raise them. And the people don't have a problem. Somebody would come along. They can support them. Take care of the child. They have no problem. It's only adopting the child. They brought the child into the world because that's what God commanded. And if someone could look after the child better than they can, they'd be more than happy. Says this fellow that gives him the letter, he says, this is my father, the guy that adopted me. He received this letter from the Rebbe privately. And today, the guy says, standing today when he's standing in the hill, is the last day of Kaddish. Now there's the man who just passed away, and that was the last day of the Kaddish. It fell down. So he asked him, Farkas asked, can I, can, I, can I get a copy of this letter? Can I take a picture of it? And he said, no, 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 it's a private letter. I just wanted to show it to you because I feel the last day at Kaddish. Nobody in the world knows the story except for me and my father. And, of course, his wife. And the guy that's with me, that's taking me, whatever it is, who knows me for years and years, never heard the story. He says, ask him. And the guy, <laughs> the young guy, standing there in shock because he's mortified. He never, heard, he never knew this about this guy. Garnished. So Rabbi Farkas explained to him, I need a copy. I need a copy, and he told him why he needs a copy. He told him the whole story of Chaim, and Chaim's issue, and Chaim's problem. And he doesn't have an answer for Chaim. And now, you literally brought me the Rebbe's letter, the Rebbe's answer to Chaim. And therefore I need to send him, I need to show him the copy of this letter. <laughs> My next trick. <laughs> so I'm going, so I'm, he says, okay, you can make a copy of it, but not the name. Don't put the name in the copy. He said, fine. He took a picture, he photographed the Rebbe's letter. And of course, sent it off right away to Chaim. The Rebbe giving him clear instructions 
what to do about adoption. So now, <laughs> I broach this question once again. What is Chabad thinking? What is Chabad Lubavitch thinking? What are the Lubavitch Chassidim thinking? What are the Chabad Chassidim thinking? Are they one? Are they two? Are they different? Are they all the same? The Chassidim of the Rebbe are thinking we have a Rebbe. We have a Rebbe that answers, we have a Rebbe that supplies answers, that supplies brachas, gives brachas on a constant basis. And not only that, Tzadikai, the Spata, the Alt-Rebbe writes in Tanya, brings down from Zaya that the Tzadik, after he passes away from the world, is more connected to us than when he's sitting here physically alive. Therefore, for anyone in Chabad today that's Chasisholim in denial that the Rebbe lives amongst us, the Rebbe keeps his promise to us of being our Rebbe, our leader, and therefore we have to keep our commitment to being the Rebbe's Chassidim and Kusharim needs to revisit their sources. As we see clearly in this letter, which Bashkach is I only got today. This fellow, we had this conversation yesterday, and my answer was basically in the same vein as well, but not with this perfect, with this physical proof. Here I have physical proof. Taylor tells us Pashas Kukas Pashas Kukas tells us Zeis Kukas HaTeda Many prior shurim we discussed the concept of the Chukim, Mishpatim and Eidos the idea of Chukas HaTeira being Para Aduma Davke the ashes of the Para Aduma the red heifer and it's used for a ritual to purify people or purify articles or houses or whatever it might be that contracted some kind of impurity from a dead corpse this mitzvah is attributed to Meish Rabbeinu And the Torah says the red heifer must be brought to Moshe. The actual ashes and everything was prepared by Allah Zarakayim. But it needed to be brought through Moshe. And Moshe was the only one that ever understood the reason for Paraduma. Meshe Rabbeinu was fully, fully committed to God. 
there was nothing that could happen that could cause Moshe's commitment to waver, to move. So therefore, the Gemara tells us, if you're keeping score at home, it's Seita Daf Tes Amir Aleph, that Mesha is everlasting in each generation. The Mishkan that Mesha built was put away. It was never destroyed. The Yomara says later on in Seim Masechta, in Seita Yid Gimel Amid Beis, 13 side 2, it says, matter of factly, Mesha never died. It's written, Mesha died over there, and somewhere else it says, and he was there with God. So just as the just like Moshe over here was standing and serving, so also the same thing means he's standing and serving. The ashes that Moshe prepared, his part is getting wet all over the place. The ashes that Moshe prepared, his part Duma were used, says the Medrash Tachuma, for every single paraduma thereafter. Every later generation that needed to prepare paraduma needed to use some of the ashes that were prepared by Maisha. So the mitzvah of paraduma, therefore, is attributed to Maisha. It's his mitzvah. What is it doing? It's taking away the impurity from somebody and cleaning the person, cleansing the person entirely. What caused this impurity? Death. And therefore, what do we need to elevate and to cleanse the spirit only Moshe Rabbeinu question we're right now in the year 5775 and we're not in the Beis we're not dealing with the Paraduma so what is the Paraduma's message to us People go to funerals all the time, unfortunately. And people go out and they wash their hands. They're not taking a paraduma and purifying themselves. People are sometimes in hospitals when people pass away. We're seeing death on a constant basis. Somebody's always dying somewhere, older people, whatever it might be. Our neshama tahira, our pure neshama, our pure soul, needs to be kept totally pure and clean. When a person, God forbid, acts in a way that they shouldn't, does something that they shouldn't, does not do a mitzvah the way they should, or God forbid, even does something they shouldn't be doing, desecrating a Shabbos, a Yom Tov, etc. Mm-hmm. Then the person 
is tainting their soul, they're making it impure. Tells us the Tata, we need to take the ashes of Meshur Abenu's Para Aduma. There's this Pashtusa, the Meshur Bechaldara Vedara, there's Meshur's existence in each and every generation. We need to utilize that existence and we need to see to it that with this we elevate, with this we purify any impurities that we came through. And this is done a chassid through a Rebbe. There was a year that was not necessarily a chassid. He came into the Besmedish of Reb Nachum Chernobyl. In Chernobyl. In the olden days, Chernobyl wasn't a dirty word like it is today. And there was a great tzaddik there, Reb Nachum. He came into the Besmedish of Reb Nachum Chernobyl and he put down a feast. Wine and fish and breads. And it was a feast. He said, Abayis, I come join me for my Sudas Haidah. Come join me for a Suda, a meal of thanks. Your Rebbe, Ibn Nachim, performed a miracle for me and saved my life. First of all, Chassidim are always good for a good bottle of vodka, good bottle of schnapps, schlivovitz, oh, plum, plum brandy. Afabrayan, why not? So they all came, they sat down around the table, and Baba had in the mice, so let's hear a story. So the Yid says the following story. Many years ago, I amassed a small fortune of money, 400 ruble, and I decided I'm going to go out to the marketplace, I'm going to invest it, I'm going to buy the way it should, and I'm going to start doing proper business. No, I came to an inn, a Jewish inn rather, a Jewish owner. Near, she got it out, she dropped, spit out the thing. <laughs> Go cut it open and let her suck on the juice. She knows what it gives me. And so, I went and I stayed in the hotel for the night. I had my money belt with me. Woman, woman, you must bring it. You must bring it for you. She's bringing it back to you. Yeah. Yeah. She's bringing it back to you. And it came to this inn. I left all my things in the inn. I saw my room that I was given. I had two beds. So there were two beds in my room. Here she is. I said, okay, I'll see what happens. I went to Vismedish to Davin, and I came back from Vismedish, and I saw the other bed was occupied. But the fellow was very, very tired, apparently, like I was, and he was sleeping already. His face was to the wall, I didn't see what he looked like even. I garnished. I went to sleep. I woke up, I was exhausted apparently, and I overslept a little bit. 
and the other fellow was gone already. I gathered my things, and I gave a look under his bed, and I saw a belt. Took out the belt from under the bed. There was 400 rubles in there. With no name, no ID. So I took it and I put it under the pillow. I said, I guess this guy must have lost it. You gotta watch it, she beat off a piece. I guess the guy must have lost it. So, uh, he'll come back and find it under his pillow. I came back in the evening, he says, I yelled, they know. The guy's not here. But the money belt's still there. <coughs> so honestly, I should have taken it to the owner, given it to the hotel owner, and then gave it to him. I turned this way and that way. I looked to my right. I turned to my right and my left. There's nobody here. There's no markings on the money. I guess it's Hefke. If it's Hefke, why shouldn't I take it? So I booked the hotel for another night. I booked the hotel for one more night. I stayed another day in the marketplace with my newfound money. And now between the 400 rubles that I had, the 400 rubles that I found now, I had bought tremendous amounts of merchandise. And God blessed us. And I did very, very well for myself. And everything was going very, very well. I gave tzedakah. I looked after families. I looked after people. I did everything right. Until recently. Recently I had a dream. I had a dream. This man came to me. This is my face. Standing there right in front of me, nose is practically touching my nose. He's all dressed in white, and he did not look happy. He said, I'm demanding you come with me to Dintera. He says, my, You took my 400 ruble, and you walked off with it, and you left me with nothing. And most of that money was borrowed. And I had to come home without any merchandise or anything. People relying on me to pay them back because I told them I'm going to go to the market, I'll bring back, I'll make make money, I'll give back. And here, I lost every penny. I thought I lost the money. But now in Ganeiden, now that I died, and I came to Ganeiden... I found out, no, I found out you took the money. Well, let me tell you what happened. I came home, broke, with no merchandise. All my investors started getting very upset with me. Rumors started circulating. When I tried to steal the money, I stole the money, I didn't give it back, I wouldn't give it back. We were poor like I don't know what I had to sell my house we had to literally wander for bread and water 
me and my whole family got uprooted. We had to wander from house to house, place town to town, begging and pleading for money and for food. And you destroyed my family. You destroyed me, you destroyed my family, my children. And ultimately I was so broken I died from it. And therefore I want to call you now to Dintera. Now that I found that you took the money, not I lost it on the road. You're culpable for my death. And he grabbed my hand, says the cousin, and he started to pull me with him to Ganadin. And I woke up. And that was a very realistic dream, but it was a dream nonetheless. But my hand hurt. And my hand hurt, my hand had bruises on it. So this is more than just a realistic dream. Yes, it was. So I didn't know what to do with this. But then in the next night, I had the dream again. And the third time it repeated itself, and then even during the day, if I ever tried to shut my eyes, he was there again, looking and screaming and yelling. So I went to the Baran Kalina. I went to the Baran Kalina and I told the Baran Kalina my story. Yeah, you're talking also? Yeah. I told Aaron Kalina my story. And Aaron Kalina said, I can't help you. You have to travel to the Bnachem Chernobla. Aaron Kalina wrote me a letter to take the Bnachem Chernobla. And that was it. I went to the Bnachem Chernobla. I came to the Bnachem. And I told him my story. And he said, listen, this money transaction, the disappearing of the money took place on this world, not in heaven. If he wants to have it interior with you, it has to be on this world, not upstairs. Next time he comes to you, tell him to come to me to the interior. And so, I returned home and lo and behold the man came to me again and I told him what the Chernobyl said and he said fine a few days later Chassidim came to me and said okay the Chernobyl said you should come now I was shaking like a leaf came into the room and they told me to sit down yeah Finally, Chernobyl came in and he opened the window very wide. And he stood by the window for about an hour. And the Chernobyl told me that the Neshama is, what the Neshama is claiming that he died from this money, everything that was lost. And I told him, I told him it's not possible. You have to learn how to get over things. If Hashem takes away the money, Hashem takes away the money, 
And not for that, the person have to kill themselves. Enough, 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 enough. Thank you. And you're not chayiv misa for this. What I did say, though, is that you should give half your wealth. Make a cheshmer now, how much you have, how much you amassed from this 800 rubles that you started with. And since 400 was his, half is his. And you bring that to his wife and children. But the Nisham is not happy with that. The guy made a cheshmer, as I said, of 40,000, whatever it was, the Shama was not happy. The Shama is still asking for other compensations. Nezik, Tsar, Beishas. The embarrassment that he went through. But I told the Nishama that as a Nishama he can't ask for those things. He's not physical. And therefore he's only entitled to half. And Ibn uh, Nachman told me where to go, and I brought the money to the Almana. And now it's already two days, and I see that the guy stopped coming to me. So it's obvious that the Dintera worked, and Ibn Nachman Chernobyl literally saved my life. And therefore, I'm making now a a meal of praise. Thanking Hashem for Nachim Chernobyl's miracle, a miraculous saving, how he saved me. So once again we see the power of the leader of the generation, of the ones that are the leaders of the generation, the tzaddikim of the generation. Wait, wait. We look though in this expasha and you can go through a little hard time over here. You can go through a hard time, there's a magefa, etc. After the plague is we have to the miracle, the water, and everything else, says the Teda Az Yashir Yisrael as a Chapter 21, verse 17. At this point, the Jews sang another Shira. She's singing it. That's how they sang, correct. We find another time that the Jews, out of joy, of a miracle sang a song and that was by Kriyas Yamsuf when the splitting of the Red Sea when the Eden came to the other side Taita tells us Az Yasha Mesha B'nai Yisrael Mesha and the B'nai Yisrael sang a Shira and the Shira was praised to Hashem for the miracle that was bestowed upon them Now, these 
the only miracles that happened to the Jews? No. The only time the Jews were saved? No. Why all of a sudden now the Jews decide to sing Shira? So we need to examine what was the action, what was the reaction of these miracles different than any other, any other time. Many battles that the Jews went to war against the enemy, and the odds were totally against the Jews, but yet they conquered, yet they won. Right? Good. Today you tell them to smell my toes and kiss my feet and it's fine. Wait, wait in five years, ten years from now you say it then. Watch out. You won't be smiling, believe me. But the Jews went to war. The Jews involved themselves in the actual miracle. And it was the Jews' action that saved them. Not action that saved them, it was God's miracle that saved them. But they put an action into motion to be saved. Mashiach, when it comes to Kriya Samsuf, when it came to the splitting of the Reed Sea, we look at chapter 14, verse 14, in the book of Exodus, in Shemais. And the Pasuk says, Hashem Yilochem Lochem Vi'atem Tacharishun. Hashem will fight your battle and you be quiet. Stay silent. The Bnei Yisrael needed to do nothing. And they were saved from their enemies. Without any war on their part. And so too in our Pasha. The Jews saw the Almighty fight their battle. They knew of nothing and did nothing to do anything here. And this therefore welled up a tremendous love in the Jews' feelings and emotions, and thereby letting them sing upon the saving salvation of their enemies. The Abishta creates the world, the Abishta creates the world in a form of teva, of nature. And of course the reason for that being that everyone should see how the world can run. And even the scientists can explain what makes the world tick. Etc. But this is not really in essence what's going on. We completed now in Tanya yesterday the second book of the five parts of Tanya, Shara Yichud Vemuna. And the gist of Shara Yichud Vemuna basically talks about creation. How Hashem creates each and everything. What Hashem does to make each and everything continue to exist on a constant basis. And therefore, 
you're getting out. You're getting out. And therefore, huh? Hashem sees to it that things look physical. They look like something physical happened. It leaves it up to us to understand and to use our devotion and our belief in Hashem that everything indeed is all from Hashem. There was a chassid, we're going to call him a Yankel, who lived a distance from the, the city of Lubavitch. It wasn't really a chassid of the Lubavitch, but there's one time a year that he would come to Lubavitch, although it was an hour walk for him, but it was worth everything in the world, with Simchas He and his wife would go join the Rebbe Rashab, and the chassidim, and the rejoicing of Simchas Unfortunately, age tends to set in sometimes. Not always, sometimes. And Yanko is not necessarily old, but Yanko is not well. He had a heart condition, decades, this tremendous uplift, this spiritual uplift, this simcha, this joy, how can you all of a sudden cut? I pay the bill, you don't. The joy for a whole year that you get from this, how can you all of a sudden not go. And this is going back and forth between him and his wife a whole week. And the time came, it was Simchas and he said, I'm not capable of walking. And she says, we won't walk in an hour, it'll take us more than an hour, it'll take us two, it'll take us three, but we can't not be by our coffers. <coughs> no, the Eishel insisted and persisted, and they took their started taking their merry old time, and four hours later found themselves in the Babich, listening already to the Hasidim singing and dancing. Excuse me. They arrive at the shul, 
the wife goes into the Zesnoshim, to the ladies section, she can watch the dancing, and he comes in, he squeezes himself into a corner, because he can't dance, he's not allowed to, his heart condition, and he doesn't want to get squashed either, so he squeezes himself into a small corner, which is the fa- which is pretty safe. Suddenly, the Rebbe stops, and he turns in his direction, in Yankel's direction, and he tells the Chassidim to bring him. And the Chassidim grab him by two arms, and they start to bring him closer to the Rebbe. And the singing starts to go into a tremendous upbeat song. And the Rebbe grabs the Yaakov by the hands, and he starts to dance with him. And Yaakov is trying to scream and yell, No, 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 I'm not allowed to, I can't. The Rebbe, 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 the doctor's all net. And he couldn't understand how the Rebbe didn't know that. And the wife is screaming from the ladies' section, Stop, stop, stop. But the more they sang, the harder they sang, the stronger the Rebbe danced with Yaakov around and around, swinging his hands. Until finally the song had to stop for a moment. Rebbe Yaakov collapsed. He collapsed, they took him outside, they brought a few tables together. And a doctor came out to examine him, and they said, Oh, wow, Matzah is not very good. The situation is a bad one. Very weak. In the meantime, the Rebbe didn't skip a beat. The Rebbe was dancing, the Rebbe was singing. A short while later, Finish at ten o'clock. Okay, I'll give you a sheer. Finish at ten. Okay. And they sat down, and the chassidim went outside. And they went, they look at the Yaakov, and he's sitting up. And they call again the doctor in. The doctor looks at him, examines him, and says, this man is fine. He's fine. He's perfectly healthy. And the heart condition was totally gone. something that looked so, so physical something that looked so God forbid damaging and yet the Rebbe being the Nasi Hakel, being the leader being the one that looks after his entire generation saw to it that indeed he healed the Chassid totally and this once again goes back to Moshe Rabbeinu as the Paraduma is called under his name the Rambam writes in Hilkos Paraduma the end of the third Pedic Teisha Paris Adumas Nasu there were nine Paris Adumas done made which is the top of Mitzuzu once this commandment was given 
until the second base Amigdash was destroyed. Vasiris and the tenth Paraduma Yatse will be made. Hamelech Hamashiach to Melech Hamashiach. The Mike Hamashmalam Bazaar. What do we learn out from this? Excuse me. The tenth one will be in the world of Mashiach. This is what the Rambam writes. And he writes. Vasiris Yasser Melech Hamashiach Meheda Yigole. He should speedily be revealed. Why does the Rambam bring down the Parah Asiris will be done Dafkat to Melech Hamashiach? What is that teaching us? Another case, why is the Rambam Bechal telling us how many there were? Why do we have to know there were nine? Now this is the tenth. The drush to explain this because I'll tell us in Shemay Sabah. Had the Jews waited for Moshe to come down from Sinai and not done what they did, that terrible, horrific sin of the Cheta Egel, if the Jews would have behaved and waited that one more Mesles, then they would never have been exiled. And the Malachamovis would have no shlit over them. So, therefore, what is the result? The result is we find that the concept of Misa, of death, of impurity, all comes because of the Chet Eagle, because the sin of the golden calf. In the time of Mashiach, the Novi, the prophet Yeshaya tells us in chapter 25 verse 8 and we hear this very famous quote if you have anyone that goes to any kind of funerals Bila Amovis Lanetzach it will be swallowed it will be consumed forever the Almighty will wipe off this the tears from the faces and death will then be consumed and there will be no death because at that time when Mashiach comes we will finally be able to say we have repented fully for the sin of the golden calf once we've repented from this sin once we've cleared our slate from this sin there's no longer any reason for death. Death will be totally consumed. So therefore we look at now, we say that the words of Rambam, 
although the Rambam is Yad Chazoke, is only a Seifish Halachis, only brings down Halachis, and since he only brings down Halachis, and what would be relevant to all that he adds to this? This is a subject matter. The number 10 is a Misper Hashalom. The number 10 is a complete number. And it's hinted in the Rambam that in the days of Mashiach, when the entire sin of the Chet will be f- totally forgiven, and at that time all the death and the pain and the exiles will all be abolished, then says the Rambam, The spirit of impurity I will totally eradicate, I will wipe off from the land the earth as you see in Zechariah chapter 13 verse 2 and the therefore says the Rambam that it's important that we know that this will be done by Melech HaMashiach the Pora Asiris the 10th Pora and the Tushlam the Gamri HaTahara Tumasmes at that point in time impurity of a death of death will be totally eradicated and once people will be purified when pe- once people will be elevated to this level people will no longer see suffering will no longer see impurity and will be able to always stay totally focused and connected to Hashem Whereas the person that is Tommy needs to stand outside of the camp of the Jews. He cannot come into the Holy Temple. He cannot bring sacrifices. person that's impure has a lot of downfall, has a lot of downside to his life. And therefore, the concept of Melech HaMashiach, the coming of Melech HaMashiach, the revelation of Melech HaMashiach, will be something that will be able to turn the world into pure purity, happiness, joy, love, unity, so that everyone will be able to stand together and sing together and live together and will all sit together by the main meal of the Shera Beren and Leviathan and we'll all sit together and it should be this very Shabbos, the Paraduma Shetake be sacrificed, and the Paraduma should spray the Paraduma Asiri with Melech HaMashiach Tzidkenu in Yerushalayim Yerakedesh and we will all enjoy the true Geula Amitiz Vashleimes of Geula Zchedesh HaGeula of Yerbeis Yudgim Mutamuz Shabbat